the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone. It is the Wine Women Radio Hour. I'm Marcia Maycumber, one of your co-hosts here today with Misty Rodebush Kane. Hi, Misty. Hi, everyone. So great to see hear everyone today. And I say see because we are now operating on the Zoom platform. So it is nice to see everyone. But um, it's nice that everyone's out there listening to us today. So thank you for making Wine Women a part of your day. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And um, we're actually pretty lucky today. This is a day in uh, wine country uh, where the weather is just perfect. So I'm outside in my garden, which sometimes is more successful than others um, because it can get too hot or uh, on other parts of the year too cold to do that. Um, Lisa Adams-Walter uh, is on assignment today, um, quite literally. She, she's off and away and could not get to Zoom at this time. So we're missing her. Um, but we're going to early introduce our guests so she can participate in our current events um, that are going on right now because I think they're really kind of cool current yeah. events. So we'd like to hear your input. Alicia Maria Kidd is our guest today. She's founder and CEO of The Wine Noir, a name I absolutely love. <laughs> hello, hello. Happy to be here. Be in here, Alicia. Thank you. Uh, you're an importer. You are also an exporter. You're a wholesale distribution company. You're based uh, here in the Bay Area in Berkeley. Yes. Um, your company is oh, just a little more than two years old. Am I right? Well, almost three. Uh-huh. In, in August, it'll be three years. Yes. So, and Alicia, you didn't you didn't start off planning on from a young age going into the wine business because you got a bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's in public administration from uh, Cal State U in East Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have loads of corporate experience in development and training. So what, tell us first a little bit about what took you to the wine business and then we'll segue back to current news and what's happening in the wine industry. Well, what led me to the wine business um, by nature, um, just as a consumer, you know, living in the Bay Area, I think it's more of a lifestyle, you know, as you, for I've grown to love wine with friends, and then it ventured off into becoming, you know, having celebratory events um, Mm -hmm. in Napa and Sonoma and Livermore, just the different parts um, of different areas of wine country here in Northern California and just um, wanting to know more about wine. So I, out of all of my friends, was the one to ask more questions of the Somme, the sommelier, Mm -hmm. and just had an inquisitive mindset and just really was the one to expand my palate and willing to try more wines. And so then over the years, it just morphed into, you know, working as part-time while I held my full-time job, working for um, the Boise family as a sales um, in-home ambassador, Um, just doing virtual ambassador wine tastings for them with my friends and making a little, you know, just money on the side. And, um, And I think that's always good to have something that you enjoy where you can make extra income. And then from there, just 
you know, going to a lot of wine events locally and um, venturing off into, I met a, another at a festival in Oakland. I met another um, woman in the industry. Um, she's from LA and she was up here in Oakland with doing a showcase of South African wines. And I was amazed. She was an importer, exporter, the same thing. So I said, I want to do what you do because I didn't, you know, at the time, I didn't know that there were wines produced in South Africa. And then come to find out there's these South African wines. And so really quickly, I learned about South African wines. And then from there, I just started getting my licensing and selling a lot of the um, person that I partner with as a sales rep. While I was getting licensed, I started selling off their inventory and um, formulated my own company here in the Bay Area. And been doing exciting. it for three years. Yeah. Exciting. Congratulations. And you Thank know, that's, you. that's an enormous effort to get import export licenses, uh, mm -hmm. distribution. I mean, the paperwork is daunting to say the very least. So it it's is. quite an undertaking. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some current events going on and then we'll go back to learn some more about the wine noir. Um, as, you, as you can kind of see in the corner here, I'm celebrating because the current event of the day has been the decision not to impose tariffs on sparkling wine coming from France. This is a awesome. big victory because it was going to be something like 25%. I know, this is a long-going yeah. battle. Mm -hmm. Um so uh, um, a little victory dance there. Um, but on the downside of, of general wine news, um, this week we, we've also learned that um, the current administration has chosen to uh, deny any harvest visas. Um, people might think, oh, that's going to affect the tax sector. And of course it's true. Um, people who come in from out of the country to work in the tech sector make up a lot of those um, visitors that come uh, to work here from all over the, the world. Um, but it, it also affects our harvest. Misty, what do you think is going to be happening this fall with a much smaller workforce to manage our harvest coming up? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting for sure to see um, how the industry pivots to manage that shortfall of labor supply. Um, I do feel that, you know, the wineries do have a pretty, um, a, a pretty nice supply of um, general employees. So I'm interested to see if we see some shifting of departments and um, some folks who potentially have been on reduced hours or on temporary layoffs, you know, might be asked to come back into the harvest side of the business. It might be asked to work in the cellar. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But um, it's a very resilient industry. So we've been faced, I feel like we've been faced with worse from mother nature. So we will, um, I'm sure we will overcome this this year, but it'll be interesting for sure. I, I agree, we are very resilient. Um, and I was also going to say, now that we know we've had this much advance notice, now we're in mid-July right now, so usually harvest is starting by mid-August for 
um, sparkling wines, um, Pinot Noir and the like. So that, that's not too far off, but it does mean that those managing harvest have some advance notice to plan for not having the same workforce they had before. So at least it's not like a, by the way, next week, you're not going to have anybody that they expected. But yeah, and then Marcia, you brought up a great point. I mean, not only are the visas um, incoming, but also outgoing. So U.S. Um, so U.S. folks that are used to working multiple harvests across the world are now, you know, faced with potentially only working one harvest this year. So there will also be some opportunity for them, probably in um, in other job markets or other other either departments of the wineries or other, yes. um, they might have to explore some additional options. Right. With the current um, EU block on uh, US residents traveling to Europe, that likely means that anybody who intended to go to France, Italy, Spain to work harvest there will not be able to do so. So hopefully yeah. <laughs> we can do the same here. So. Um, yeah yeah and i love how those how folks um that do work harvest will also jump hemispheres and take advantage of working multiple harvests in a given year so that will will not be happening this year yeah yeah it's a it's a it's just a bizarre year that way and um, the other big news for us um that went into effect today was the north bay counties in particular um our reversing their wheels on reopening uh, restaurants in particular, um, indoor tasting rooms at wineries, um, movie theaters, um, all these types of locations um, are now prohibited for the next three weeks um, from doing business indoors. Restaurants, of course, um, are doing outdoor business um, when they're in a situation that they can do that. Um, so in many ways, I don't think that's had huge effect here in Sonoma. Um, and I think Napa was already in that boat as well. Are you, have you been seeing kind of the same thing in Petaluma as well, Misty? Yeah, um, I feel like Napa, Napa recently, you know, we did, it, we did roll back um, about a week ago. And I feel like um, Sonoma County as well, like Petaluma, you know, the restaurants are starting, they're open now for patio seating, whereas before they were, there was some indoor downing, indoor dining. I've seen a lot of new patio um, pop-ups at some of the mm -hmm. restaurants, which is, is great. So they found creative ways to stay in business. And, you know, sometimes in back alleys of the little streets of downtown Petaluma, which is, um, which is nice to see. So it's, um, I love to go out though. And I, I love um, the whole sort of mask initiative um, because, you know, as we go out to support these businesses, it's, it's pretty scary and it's extremely serious. So like those folks visiting the wineries and wine countries, we're just asking that everyone sort of utilizes the best safety procedures possible, wear your mask, social distance. If you're sick in the least, you know, definitely stay home. Well, certainly I've been seeing a lot of reports about people visiting uh, restaurants, dining outdoors and wineries. And really, I would say, you know, 
99% of the stories I've been hearing have been that people feel safe. They feel that all the appropriate safety measures are being followed and being, and everyone's being very diligent about protecting one another and respectful. So it's a real positive sign that um, the, the general public can know that it is safe to come to wine country and visit using the appropriate um, safety protocols uh, and feel like that they can enjoy themselves. So yeah. all of that is good. Uh, what are you seeing in the East Bay, Alicia? Similar. Um, I think Napa and Sonoma are a little bit more freer. I was just in Napa last weekend at um, a winery at Domain Chandon, where it's all um, cabanas or you you know rental. You have to reserve, make a reservation. But in the East Bay, people are outdoor eating. You know, restaurants are having their outdoor sitting or curbside. And people are just going to the parks. You know, the lake area um, is very popular in Oakland, Berkeley, the marina, mm -hmm. you know, Berkeley and Emeryville Marina is just sitting out, um, you know, for 4th of July. People are just more so just doing more outdoor activities. Yeah. So, yes. Well, that's good because out, it seems like out. Uh oh, Marsha, it seems like you froze on us. So you may have to Door jump. With distance uh, is really pretty safe. Uh, and if, am I back? Oh, there's yeah, that little back. message you, that says. We lost that, we lost that whole last phrase. So your internet connection must have jumped off. Uh, all I was saying was that, um, you know, it's the time of year when people want to go outside and it's, and if you're, if you're keeping your social distancing in mind uh, and wearing your masks when you're in lines or waiting for your food to be delivered, things like that, you are probably in pretty good shape. Yes. Which is good. So uh, any, in any event, though, that's kind of our local scene right now. Um, I wanted to go back to Alicia's story because to me, it's so fascinating. And she and I met um, about a couple of years ago uh, at an event, I think it was, was it at Naked Wines? I think it might have been. We met through Teresa. I can't yeah. remember. Was it at the Naked Wines event? Or I think so. Yeah, it was. Something like that. Or, yeah. or maybe she was at the radio station in any event. Mm -hmm. um, Alicia was just getting into the business. Um, at the time, you had a very interesting uh, bubbly from Brazil that was absolutely delicious that um, we got to try at that event. And I yes. didn't even know Brazil made sparkling wine. So yes. uh, really fascinating to learn. And the other part of your business we should get back to is the wine noir. Your focus is on wines made by people of color, mm -hmm. more often women of color than men, but it, does, it doesn't seem like you're excluding men of color. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> and, and I... I'm trying to remember, but you're going to have to refresh my memory. Um, women winemakers, women winemakers of color are a teeny tiny percentage of the whole. Do you have a sense of those figures? I don't have the numbers, but I mean, probably like two to three percent. And, um, but it's growing, you know, we're growing. It's, we have a lot here. You know, we have the African-American Vintners Association, which there's about 30 of us. 
um, that are here. And, um, but then you have winemakers or negotiants throughout the United States and internationally. Yeah. Well, so the data is still being tabulate, you know, calculated. So, but it's growing as well as the um, African-American and black diaspora consumer, which I feel the wine industry ignores, which I don't know why they do, um, because we have a, and just in the United States, we have a $1.3 trillion spending power. So, you know, I, I'm actually going to take advantage of that. <laughs> you know, Alicia, can you expand upon that? Because I find that fascinating. Like when you say, um, when you say ignore, is it, is it that we ignore in um, our marketing efforts or where, where do you feel like we are ignoring? So I think the wine industry is traditionally white male. It does not include black people. I mean, it's, I don't, and I think because our experiences are different, for example, I just came back from South Africa. When you study wine south from the court of the Psalms, they don't really include South Africa as a wine producing region. So but it's in you know at the WSET level. So from me coming coming from Cape Town, which is one of the ninth largest wine producing regions in the in the world, and meeting black men and women who are either farmers, um, own vineyards, or psalms, their story is totally different. You know, um, here in the states, you know, we have it's not prevalent in the marketing. So what we've done in our community is we've created our own community of wine lovers. So we have, like I said, the African-American vintners, we have other uh, um, nationally um, associations where we do our own festivals. Mm -hmm. And um, so we do a lot. So as far as the traditional, the mainstream, mm -hmm. just now it's being highlighted. And I think it's more so in the marketing, it's not, um, there's no outreach. Um, when I'm around people ask me, you know, how did you get into wine, but in a way as if they've never seen a, a person of color. And so, you know, it's, it's that where I think the wine industry, if they don't pay attention, they're going to, the, the traditional wine, wine companies, if you ignore um, people of color, millennials of color, Gen Z of color, both in the United States and globally, you won't operate in the next 10 years. Yeah, because correct. that market is growing today and beyond between 2020 and 2030 people of color will be the number one group that's true that's yeah, absolutely that's true. true yeah that that's is a fascinating true. story yeah that i think is. i think that is fascinating and i'm always intrigued and inspired you know when i do see women um founding and starting wineries or you know minorities um coming in from a a winery perspective. Sometimes it's the second generation, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it is, it is really fascinating. And there are a few wineries now where, um, you know, they're, they're easy to, they're, it's not easy to find though. I mean, you almost like stumble across them. So that's um, great that you have been in, involved with some organizations that are helping to spread awareness. Yes. And that leads me right to thank you for that intro misty because alicia actually brings in a south african brand called women in wine that's all it's a company um founded and run almost entirely by women and so i thought alicia why don't you tell us about that particular brand to kind of 
kick yes. off our discussion about your brands. So Women & Wine is one brand that I'm going to be working with soon. I haven't started importing, but they're called Women & Wine. And the founder, her name is Beverly Farmer. She's a Black South African woman, and they have a strong, it's 80-plus Black South African men and women that produce wine in Cape Town region. And so Women & Wine is one of the brands where it's a collective of women farmers, women wine owners, vintners, farmers, um, landowners, um, negotiants, makers, psalms, mm -hmm. collective where, um, but these, these women, they actually make their own brands. So yeah, they make different wines like a Shiraz, they make a Chenin Blanc, um, they have several red blends. And yeah, they are actually going to be, they own land too. So they have been part of the South African land transfer where they're going to they're actually getting land to where they can actually plant their own grapes. So right now they source their grapes from other vineyards, but they also are assumed to be owners of land. And it's a collective of five women or more. So yes, I actually have known about them for about two years. And I went to go visit um, the founders, Beverly and the several other founders. And it was amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, very strong, group of women that support each other so they are winemakers it's a, a, a for-profit organization where they help they also are it's a collective of women that make wine in different facets fantastic yeah that is, um, that I hope fantastic and those wines you have those wines available so you've imported them and you've made them available for not yet I'm working I would that was the goal when I came <laughs> back from Cape Town I just, I visited Cape Town for two weeks in March, um, early, like late February up until mid-March. And when I, when I arrived back in the Bay Area, that was the goal to bring those wines and some other wines into California. But I had to put a halt on that for COVID right now until I work out a plan of action. So um, I, on my website, I'm actually... I have them listed because these are the ones that I was getting ready to bring in. Mm -hmm. And so um, it will say coming soon. But in the interim, I do have a South African brand. I've had previous South African brands like Seven Sisters, which is a, a winery in Stellenbosch. Um, I've had Nelson Mandela's family called House of Mandela. Um, and his youngest daughter just passed away today at the age of 59. Unfortunately, it was sad today. Um, and then I have Mahuti, which is another South African brand that I sold out of. And then currently I have, um, I have, oh, I should, Silkbush, which is a really good brand. They are an estate produced in um, the Silkbush Vineyards area, which is an hour outside of Cape Town. And we have a Viognier and a Red Blend that's available right now for purchase. Wow, that's exciting. And the website to find these wines? Yes, it's um, the wine. So www.thewinenoir with an e.com. Oh, great. And you can purchase and I ship throughout the state of California. Have you found yourself um, having to reinvent your yourself and your business because of um, the COVID, current COVID situation? I mean, you mentioned that it put uh, one of your projects on hold or it's mm -hmm. so that you're working it out, but if you wouldn't mind telling the listeners sort of how you've pivoted or what has happened in the last few months for the wine door. 
Yeah, so currently the way that I operate, and I since I am a smaller business, I operate in four facets. Currently, the most heavy part of my business is the wholesale distribution and the consulting. And so I sell a lot of my wines directly to B2B. So it can be event planners that work with big corporations, corporations like tech companies, and then local restaurants and wine shops. So I had to pivot in a sense where, and I also do a lot of events. So we have in the Bay Area, especially Oakland, San Francisco, there's in a summer, it can be like a hundred events, right? Throughout the summer. So I'll probably do several, I'll do a lot of those or have staff work those events. So I'm heavily engaged with direct to consumer that way. And so how I had to pivot was because normally, you know, I had a calendar laid out, ready to go with events and corporations lined up to source their wines for a lot of conferences. Those were now canceled, you know? And so pivoting for me meant that I had to now just strictly depend on went from big corporations to event planning to now dealing with only restaurants and you know the smaller players and with that being said it just really impacts because you know you have to do wholesale and then the the payment time you know just things like that where it it was just a little my bigger clients are with the corporations and the big event planners and so and the festivals were really good but yeah, it was just really, so now I'm doing the virtual tastings, but I find that is very challenging. I love it, but it's very, um, it's just, I'm still trying to get my, my, I've only done a few and it's, you know, I'm just really trying to find my way with that to see how I can do more of that. You know, I'm really trying to get my YouTube channel going and my email marketing increased so that I can start just bringing my audience from social media into my own private network. Got it. Well, that absolutely makes sense. So you're, you're talking about getting um, better control of all your connections that you're yes. at the mercy of a, another third party. So mm -hmm. your strategy to me sounds spot on. Um, but you're right. That's all. That's a lot to undertake and, and to try to do it quickly is just really challenging. What I'm curious, um, what you find with the virtual tastings mm -hmm. um, are the most challenging aspects? Well, it's when I say challenging, it's mainly for me, monetization. In the wine industry, I love the industry. Um, this is something I would do, you know, I've done a lot of things for free, for volunteer. Um, but as a business, as a small business to be viable, you know, when it comes to, I'm looking at monetiz monetization of how can I monetize as well as educate and inform, you know, within that, within one hour, you know, because if you look at it, when a person in, the, in, in person goes to a tasting room, you're upselling to your customer. You know, so I'm looking at it in the same way of how can I turn that virtual tasting into an exclusive paid tasting where, you know, we can do that even more where I can monetize and then, you know, make it more exclusive because people, that's what you see online now. Everyone is doing it and we have to, 
but I think the the way to go is how can we personalize it, you know, to make it more unique? How can we bring people that are not normally used to social media or the internet, you know, Zoom? So it's a lot of those things. Yeah, right? I find that I find that fascinating. We are seeing, um, you know, the full gamut of virtual experiences ranging from huge celebrities and um, very, you know, high dollar productions with mm-hmm. music concerts or celebrity chef throwdowns, all the way to, um, you know, very simple um, tastings with you know, pulling in a nice educational component or pulling in um, some sort of partnership or alliance with an established um, partner that different businesses already have. And I I think it's, you know, a very interesting time because I feel like, you know, like you said, you sort of have to find out what's right for you and for your business and then find out what, you know, your driving factors are and your mission is, and then really just sort of go go for it. And I'm sure, Martha, you've been leading a lot of your clients um, down that same path, but it's a pretty universal trend that I don't think it's specific to the wine industry. I think it's specific to a lot of industries. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of doubt, hesitation in terms of how do you, how do you, how do you make money off of an online conversation. The technology is still so new um, that we, that that we're figuring it out as we go. And so the uh, Doubting Thomases, for lack of another name, um, don't quite connect the dots on how to do it. Some are are willing to just say, let's try try stuff. And others are like, I don't want to go there. And I do look at, uh, you You were citing um, being a brand ambassador for a Boisset collection. We, we've all seen that Jean-Charles Boisset has been out there doing a, anywhere from three to six shows a week. Oh, yes. Uh, he is our, our P.T. Barnum of the wine industry. And sometimes um, those shows are um, across continents. Um, he's talking with his colleagues in France um live on his shows some are very much uh demonstration based and then others if you've mentioned are more interactive in a zoom style mm-hmm. so finding what's right for you is a real challenge definitely audiences as well like we really need to think about the audience that we're selling to and the audience that we're uh, marketing these businesses to and making sure we're hitting points that are really relevant to them and things that you know, are meaningful right now, given this current landscape and time. Uh, that I, I keep going back to just, you know, Google Analytics and looking at what your customers are searching for and what sort of interests and, you know, demographics make up your customer base and then create these experiences, virtual experiences, albeit um, in, a, in a fashion that's going to be appealing to them. So, yes. Uh, interesting um but you know if we i feel like if we're unique to the audiences then we're going to get we're definitely receive more traction and john charles is definitely um doing really well because his audience base has um they're they're following him for a reason you know they really like that entertainment factor that he brings the really um 
eclectic style that he provides Napa with and then access on a global level. So Yes. Yeah. And, exactly. and, and, and I um just to also pivot some of the things I'm working on is um, I'm also I'm a consultant, so I also do diversity consultant um work with restaurants and and suppliers to help identify. So that's what I want to grow more of is working with um, the bigger retailers um, on how that how they can expand. So how they can identify brands, teach them about diversity and inclusion, and how how to evolve into this new wine world that we're in, you know, and hospitality industry. So that's another part of my business that um I want to work with bigger corporations um, like the big corporate or even wineries in Sonoma and Napa on how to, you know, diversify their marketing. Because um, I think, too, once we get back to a post-COVID, you're going to, you know, all this marketing you've done, people now are going to want to come, you know, and just cultural sensitivity training and how to, you know, how to expand your reach and be open to different sorts of people that are coming in that are your new customer. All excellent points. And that makes me think of a story that was being told in a Zoom replay I was watching for mm -hmm. the Diversity Wine Road, which I'll get to in just a minute. And one of the women of color on the call was telling a story of visiting a tasting room before COVID Mm -hmm. um, and eventually asking one of the um, hospitality professionals in the tasting room, um, you know, uh, are you pouring some of your library wines today or, you know, what's, what's not on the list that you're, that you have open that you're pouring. And the hospitality professional said something to the effect of, how do you even know what a library wine is? Yeah, I get that. Uh, how condescending, how uh, the opposite of being hospitable mm -hmm. <laughs> that was. And that strikes me as something at the heart of the very basics of things that you have to educate people on in hospitality. <laughs> that, you know, making any kind of preconceived judgments about somebody is going to work against you. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned the hospital, the diversity wine road. Yes. Uh, and uh, that was kind of the trigger to remind me to go to come back and talk with you again. Yes. Tell us about the diversity wine road and your participation. And before I forget, I want to make sure we go back and talk about your wine club. Okay. And I just want to make sure I don't forget that. So that's why I mentioned it. So Diversity Wine Road. Okay. So yes, the Diversity Wine Road is a, it's actually, it's the eighth year that it was, it's originally, it's called Wine Over LA Diversity Wine Road. And it was founded by one of my good friends, Tawani Price. She's based out of LA. She is a um, well-renowned, she's been having her, she's a, a wine, she has a wine events company and she's a wine educator and she travels all around the world and currently she's based in South Africa right now and her whole um, company is to expose winemakers of color um, to a global audience um, through festivals, through tasting experiences, and through global education and travel. So um, 
this year she was supposed to have it. This would have been our eighth year, but she, and this is why I say it's, it's important when you have diversity because who is taking their wine conferences online now? I'm, you know, she thought of it and um, said, okay, I'm just going to take it all online. So the diversity wine route is on the 24th through the 26th. And it's going to be um, myself and 11 other um, winemakers, wine producers, negotiants, distributors, importers, mm -hmm. um, African-American, Native American, and Latin American, as well as women. And we're going to have cooking demonstrations from chefs. We're going to have um, different, different um, rooms for customers to go into the guests. We have weekend passes. And mm -hmm. also all the winemakers as a um, as an option, you get to purchase wines, a, a 12 pack of wines from all of these winemakers. So Fantastic. not only do you get to purchase a ticket, you can also purchase um, a wine pack with all 12 wines produced by women and minority winemakers. So um, that's going on for the whole week. And so taking a festival symposium experience and make it in digital. So see, this is where everything is going now. So I've never heard of Pebble Beach going digital. I've never heard of, you know, any of these big events that we have in the Bay Area going digital. And she was ahead of the curve. So, and I think that's, I'm actually going to do my own eventually, probably next year, a trade event. So that's, it's going to be amazing. So um, if you want to get more information, you can go to um, zuriwinetasting.com and I sent you guys the details. The right. tickets are still available and I think there's still some wine that you can order as well. Right. And for listeners who may not see it, we'll be sure to share all the links, but that's Zuri, Z-U-R-I, zuriwinetasting.com. Uh, you can also simply Google Diversity Wine Road. You will find the, um, the LA information and, of course, then the, the links for this being all online. Um, it's really cool. And I have to say, I was, I was looking at that. You get the, the case of wine if you want to get the case of wine with it. So you can, I mean, you can feel in many ways like you're there because you'll be tasting yes. the same wines that they will be tasting throughout the event for the whole weekend and it's pretty inexpensive to do that uh -huh. you know when you think about what otherwise what it would cost you your you know your airfare your parking for your car at the airport your hotel i mean there's myriad expenses um this is a fraction of that cost um and you still get to hear from these people and participate in the seminars Yes. Yes. And we have individual tickets too. So if you don't want to go the whole weekend, you can purchase individual tickets. I'm going to be um, myself. I will be available on Sunday. I'm going to be at the Sunday viewing mm -hmm. and then we'll have separate little rooms like zoom rooms. So after we do the overall, if you want to learn more about what I do or do a tasting with me, then you go in my little room. So it's, it's going to be really cool. Very, very neat stuff. Yes. Um, and I just want to say to visiting your website, thewinenoir.com, um, you, you start learning a whole lot about, you know, wines and wineries and vineyards you didn't know. Um, as you mentioned, you represent the, the house of Mandela 
Yes. I did not know the whole family background. I mean, really going back. Fascinating information that you have on your website about all of that. So it really aroused my curiosity. Thank you. Um, all these things. It makes me go, I got to try all these wines. There's so many wines in the world to try, but you know, they catch my attention and go, I got to dig into this some more. A great way to do this, of course, would be your wine club. Because yeah. you have a lot of choices on your wine clubs that people could choose from. Well, uh, I'm actually, and thank you for that. So I, that's one of the things where COVID, I ha, I'm still revamping. So um, I will be launching a wine club, hopefully by the fall or early 2021. But I, if, it, if it's closer to 2021, I'll be taking, you know, intake in the fall for my first release in 2021. What I hope to do is have a South African wine club, you know, like an international where it rotates from France to Brazil um, to, you know, California and just rotate them all, you know, so it, I'm going to do it um, every quarterly and you can do either, um, I think it's four bottles, three bottles or six bottles. So half a case or three. And it's so a I'll big undertaking. <laughs> yes. And like I said, it'll probably either be quarterly or twice a year, maybe twice a year for the first year. And then I'll go to quarterly and then I'll do every month. So every year I'll probably add on, you know, but it depends on my inventory, you know, and as I grow. So, and um, it'll probably just be within the state of California because I'm licensed as a retailer, but mm -hmm. soon it will grow into 40 out of 50 states with, um, I'm probably going to private label some wine myself. Mm -hmm. okay. and, then, and then be able to share it, expand it out. Very cool. That's, that's exciting. Both attest to what an undertaking it is to get a club launched. It's a really big thing. In particular, yes. when you're, you're handling all aspects, you know, soup to nuts is you. It's, it's really big. So. Yeah, and I, and I have people that work with me. You know, I have a warehouse in Hayward where um where I you know I have where I store my wine I have people that um I employ and that's something that I'm big on of hiring you know um people of color and women in all aspects you know um to learn the supply chain you know of it so that's important to me I always like to um hire people that have an interest um I get a lot of people who have second careers who are retired that want to just help me and they love it. They just, they, they, they want to do the events, but they don't want to do the other work. But <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I'm like, I'm sure they're knocking down your door to go to those. Yeah, to, to serve wine and party. But I'm, I equally get the other interests too. So I'm definitely this year am going to be hiring some people on a, on a, on a contract, a sales rep, and also a, an, a manager to kind of help my internal because it's just a lot like, oh my God, I just need to focus on growing my business. Yeah. You know, that is the main thing. And as, as an avid traveler myself, um, okay. I often travel to these amazing locations and with the alcohol restrictions and the airline restrictions, it's really difficult to get a hold of yes. these wines. 
So, I mean, that's fantastic. I had no idea either about the House of Mandela having wines and, you know, how fun would that be to have that at a party and pull it out? And, yes. And uh, what's, what's great about South African wines from an import perspective, the price point is really good. They have amazing wines. They're Chenin Blanc, they're Pinotage, they're Shiraz. You know, they grow everything like here. South Africa, Cape Town region is similar to our our winery the temperatures and everything climate very is similar beautiful um wineries and it they grow everything just like we can grow everything so great price point they have sparklings so i think you know i it's with the right marketing of course that's another thing i'm gonna do to elevate my brand of the brands that i represent is also pitching them and submitting them to the big you know wine enthusiasts and the big San Francisco Chronicle and then the different um, competitions or publications for tastings and ratings. Very, very exciting. And I'm so glad that you mentioned about South Africa growing so many different varieties because um, the average consumer who actually is familiar with South Africa um, making wine probably thinks that the only thing they grow is pinotage, and that's yes. absolutely not true. It's not. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. So it just needs to be more. Um, and so again, that's why my company we operate. We do different. We operate differently than your traditional. Once you become a client of ours, the goal is to you know what whatever your marketing budget is, we will work with that winemaker to help them market their wines, to give them strategy while we're wholesaling and also selling their wines in our online shop to art. Cause I have my own customers, you know, it's a partnership and that's what I think with smaller, cause I work with smaller producers. You know, you really have to, it's a learning curve with the winemakers. You really have to walk with them through to say, okay, the winemaker is important. We need great wine, but the business side is equally important. Yes, of course. Uh, I'm curious, Alicia, um, you're so articulate and you're so gung-ho. Did you have any particular mentors earlier in your career that helped, you know, helped you with some guidance and steerage, so to speak? Or, or has you just been this kind of um, go gung-ho girl from the beginning? <laughs> um, I just think, you know, it, it's a combination of both. Um, when I met um the the person who i her name was selena cuff she was one of the original people that i met in the industry who i also was a wine salesperson for out of she's out of la her business is called heritage link brands and they are a, a black owned um, woman owned um import company similar so we're it's kind of like so yeah that was one person um, a lot of like part the the founders of the African American Vintners Association. So I don't know if you guys know Mac McDonald. He has Vision Cellars wine, which is I know um, his name. I don't. Yeah, know. he has an amazing Pinot Noir that's really good. It's highly rated. And so um, yeah, so those are my mentors, Theopolis. I've, I've known her for years. She's a lawyer by trade. I don't know if you guys know who Jay Moss is. He's he, I do. Yeah, he has a library collection. So these are... Theopatra. 
Yeah, so I've known in the McBride sisters, those are women that I look up to. I was one of their, um, I'm part of Women on the Vine and Spirits. I actually was one of the winners last year for their wine business um, award for $5,000. Oh yeah. Um, Those are a couple of my mentors or people that I've looked at, but then a lot of it too was just reading books on wine business. I'm currently, I'm in school taking my W set series um, at Napa Valley Wine Academy. Yes, and we had Christian Agenfuss on our show. Yes. As well, who uh, is one of the co-founders of uh, Napa Valley. Yeah, Wine. I talked with him. Yes, I, he's real nice. I um, spoke with him a few weeks ago. And for yeah. listeners out there who, you know, I'm, I'm currently studying as well because, you know, now with the, uh, without having to commute to and from work, I have a little bit of extra time uh, to, to fit back into my day. So, you know, it's, and with everything going online nowadays, I, you know, I just received mailers for even community courses for Sonoma State that um, will all be 100% online next year. Right. Anyone looking to finish a degree or pick up a certification, it's a great time to do so. Yes. yes. Yes, and I noticed Napa Valley Wine Academy is about to launch a whole bunch of new classes in, oh, I remember there was a, whis- a scotch whiskey and anyway, some other, some other stuff. So, and, and they as well have pivoted online with the yeah. training. So they're real um, affordable too. Um, I, my goal was to go to Sonoma State for their wine executive wine MBA program, but it was just too expensive. It's $40,000. Yeah, that's, no, everything is so. And I said, hey, I can get my W set. I can take, I'm enrolled in the the, the business courses um, by Tim, Tim Henney. Um, and so I'm definitely, I'm eventually going to get there, but I have a way I'm going to get there, but just not right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this has really been an eye opener. Um, and I want to make sure before we go, we're not completely out of time yet, but Alicia, um, what do you want our listeners to know about, um, women in wine, women of color in wine, um, you know, what they need to do to get that out there and explore and learn. Yeah. So I, I say what I would love for your audience to know is that how you can, su- can support our businesses and while you're researching for um, women, women of color, men of color, wine businesses in the United States and globally is, you know, once you find out about one, as you would your, your regular wineries, go support, you know, join our wine clubs, um, order wine from our wine shop, share with your friends, support us that way. You know, if you don't see, like if there's a brand that you like and it's in the, not in store, talk to the wine person to get it in there. I think we need that advocacy from, um, you know, our supporters, our um, allies. We need that advocacy because I think we've been doing it, but it's not enough, you know? And so, you know, at the restaurants, you know, if, if it's a wine you like that's made by a woman winemaker or winemaker of color, you know, advocate for it at the restaurant. So I just think just like you would any other brand. So, yeah. Get out there and, and promote your own way. 
And for your listeners that are, um, for your listener or for our listeners that are looking to maybe make that, that move or that plunge like you did, you know, you left a, a pretty stable position in corporate America to jump into the wine business head first. So what advice would you give for others out there looking to make that jump? Any of the advice I would give is first, you know, um, do your research, find out what you want to do in the wine industry or look at what's currently happening and how you can use your existing skills to add value to the industry of wine of today, not of yesterday. And so if it's, you know, if you take a few classes, you know, first I would say enroll in like a, a local tasting course or wine business program. It doesn't have to be a degree program. It could just be a, a certificate course or a, a class on Udemy, you know, on wine. And then from there, you know, once we get out, you know, out of COVID, you know, volunteer somewhere, be an apprentice in the area that you want to, in the area you want to work in. And if you want to become an entrepreneur, support businesses like mine, do informational interviews and intern while you're working and then from there find out what you really want to do and then just go for it i think there's a lot of opportunity in the industry with wine going forward yeah i agree Ooh. great great advice thank you for that i like i like that encouraging message it's yes. a real strong one and um one way you can be sure that you stay connected with alicia is sign up for her news on her website the one yes. you are Dot com that's n-o-i-r-e feminine mm -hmm. spelling yes. com. um so really easy to find uh we'll be sure to include all the links um with the with the show release here um on wine women radio uh and uh if, if you want to plunge in now by all means go look at the diversity wine road that is coming up uh, starting on the 24th. Yes. Um, you can participate virtually. You can order the wines now and get the wine so that you can enjoy them while you are participating in the conference online. It's going to be very cool. Yes. So Alicia Marie Kidd, founder and CEO of The Wine Wire, thank you so much for being on Wine Women Radio today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. I really had an amazing time. Misty Rodebush Kane, thank you so much for your time and keeping us all in order digitally. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Alicia, for um, opening our eyes to some new wine brands. That was yeah, um, thank you. We look forward to really exploring them a whole lot more going yeah. forward. So, and listeners, thank you for tuning in to Wine Women Radio. We really appreciate your giving us a piece of your time, which is very valuable. And Wine Women Radio will be back next week with another great show. So thank you for being here. Thank Bye, you. Bye, everybody. Thank you.